like walking around all day with spinach stuck in your front teeth. Everyone else there sees the spinach. They know the spinach is there, but you don't know the spinach is there. Wouldn't you rather know sooner rather than later? It's Julie, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I want to discuss how to prepare for your 360 report. Because if you're climbing the corporate ladder, you're likely going to have to do a 360 at some point. In this episode, I want to explain how they can be really, really powerful. And I want to encourage you to do one sooner rather than later. First off, I should explain exactly what they are, because I know this might be a new concept for some of you. When we reference a 360, what we're talking about is a 360-degree assessment tool. This is where you identify the key people in the organization that you work with, and then we send them an online link that they fill out anonymously with a variety of feedback about you. Then we take all that feedback and we prepare a pretty comprehensive report that you get to read through about yourself. This process includes feedback from your manager, your direct reports, your peers, and other stakeholders that you work with. We sometimes also include your skip level leader and can also include external stakeholders like clients and partners if that's relevant to your role. The objective here is simple. We want to receive multiple dimensions of feedback from different levels and layers in the organization of people that you work with. And beyond just feedback on your performance, We collect data around many different dimensions. It's very holistic. So we look at your self-awareness, how authentic you are, your leadership, your communication, your empathy, your resiliency, your interpersonal skills, and how you impact others. And this is different from the way that we typically receive feedback for you in a performance review, because this usually comes from your manager. And in that scenario, they outline what you're doing well, what your growth areas are, And this type of feedback is really valuable. However, it's limited or it's one-dimensional in scope. It shows one side of your leadership, just exactly what your manager is seeing. So it's not the complete picture. As a coach, doing a 360, this is one of the most powerful tools that we get to use. However, I also have realized over the years that it is very commonly misunderstood by a lot of people. And I also see a lot of people make big mistakes when they're going through the process. So buckle up because this episode is chock full of tough love, wisdom, and a few confessions from my journey that will help you to avoid the biggest landmines that happen in your 360. You will learn how to mentally prepare, how to avoid the pitfalls, and also how to get the most out of your report. So here's a look at what you're going to learn today. First off, I'm going to explain the mindset that I want you to hold as you go through this process. In the second segment, I'm going to share my personal failure story. In the third segment, I'll outline the biggest mistakes that people make when they do their 360 so that you can avoid them. And then lastly, I'm going to share key tips that you can take to really get the most out of yours. So get out of your head, into your heart, and let's dive right in, shall we? 
Let's start at the beginning. The most important thing you can do to prepare for your 360 is to get in the right mindset for what you are stepping into. I want you to understand what a 360 is and what it isn't. So let's start with what it isn't. It isn't a personality or profiling tool. As a coach, you know, this is a little confusing because there are literally hundreds of tools out there. And I feel like every single team and every company seems to use a different one. I'm certified in a few of them, but not all of them. They're all amazing. They're all valuable. They're just different. So when we use a personality profiling tool, our goal is to help you understand yourself better, to get to know what your preferences are, right? What are your learning styles? What makes you tick? Why do you do certain things? How do you engage with others? A 360 is a different depth of understanding though. It is different than a personality or profiling tool. It's a richer resource. So here's a few scenarios that could prompt you doing your 360, all right? I've got five different scenarios here I'm gonna share. First off, congratulations, you're moving into a higher stakes leadership situation and you want to make sure that you get it right or your boss identifies this as something that they want to make sure that you get right into this bigger role, all right? Second scenario, your boss thinks you have potential for a higher stakes role, and before he or she moves you into that role, you got a little bit of work to do, okay? The third one, we use it sometimes with leaders who have a blind spot. So there's something in their leadership that needs a little bit of work, a little bit of polishing, and we're having a hard time getting them to see it. So largely, everything is great, but there's just a few things to work on. The fourth scenario is to expand someone's range, to step up their executive presence. So this could be, again, they're doing their job well, they're a great leader, but they need to be more confident or they need to understand how to have more influence with their peers or other stakeholders. And then lastly, we sometimes do 360s with an entire team when we kick off a team development engagement, or sometimes we will sell off a 360 as part of a coaching package that we put together. Because when we do that, it collectively gets everyone aware of where they stand and how they impact each other. And to be crystal clear here, this is a really big misconception that I want to clear up. A 360 is not... It is not a tool that we use when we have a performance issue. So if your boss thinks that you're not performing where you should be and they want to raise a red flag, they will not use a 360 for this. This is just not the tool to use. And I think this is really important to point out because a lot of people have this misconception. They have some shame around their boss asking them to do a 360. So don't think for a second that an invitation to do this is a calling that you are an underperformer. It's not. Trust me, it's a very expensive process. It's an intensive process. And it involves bringing in someone externally, either a coach or a consultant. And as a general rule, as coaches, we are never brought in to work with underperformers only high performers or high potentials, which is, as an aside, why I love my job so much, because I get to work with amazing people all day long. So 
If I give you a single message about a 360, it would be this. Listen up. A 360 is a learning tool that will reveal your blind spots. It is not a feel-good tool that will prove that you're already a perfect leader. It's just not. It's a learning tool to reveal your blind spots. So if you want a perfect leadership report card, go talk to a friend. Talk to your mom. Talk to your partner. They will all give you a glowing recommendation. I mean, I, I hope they will. But a 360 is not a tool that you want to use for a good ego hit. It's just not. Trust me. So the mindset that I want you to take here into this process is one of learning and growing, a beginner's mind. Be prepared to learn about yourself and your blind spots. Be prepared for a possible punch in the gut because you're gonna find out things about yourself that might sting a little bit. And these are things that you actually didn't know about, but that's what makes them blind spots. And I have yet, in all my years of doing this, I have yet to go through this process with someone who didn't have some sort of blind spot revealed through the process. And this is a perfect time to give you a loving reminder about something. When you start out as a leader, no one is actually expecting you to be perfect at it. You're going to make mistakes. I repeat, you are going to make mistakes. We just all hope that you learn from those mistakes and that you are what we call in air quotes, coachable, that you are able to recognize what you have done, see that mistake, and then do it differently next time. Think about it. When you first step into a leadership position, you've technically never actually led anyone before. So how could you possibly be good at it yet? And yeah, I know you might have read all the leadership books. And yeah, you might know all the theories of leadership. But let's be crystal clear about something. Reading about great leadership and all the concepts and all the theories is different from actually being able to lead a team and make all the right decisions when you're under pressure. Just like with cooking, right? You might own one of Julia Child's cookbooks, but that certainly doesn't qualify you to be a great chef. Cooking, just like leadership, is a journey. And it's a journey that goes from theory to practice. A 360 review is a learning tool to reveal your blind spots. It is not a feel-good tool to prove that you are already a perfect leader. Because, hey, that would be boring. So now I want to share a story with you today. It's the story of a 360 that I had done on me as a leader. And here's how I want to tell the story. Once upon a time, long before I started this business, I had my 360 done. And I was so excited to go through this process because at the time, I thought I was an incredible leader. I had read all the books. I knew all the theories. And when I received my report, it revealed that I was a perfect leader. I was inspirational. I was resilient. I was great at listening. And I was amazing at asking for help. My team loved me. My peers loved me. I was a model leader. And we all lived happily ever after the end. Hmm. 
All right, now if you believe a single word of that BS fairy tale story that I just told, well, I don't think you've been listening very carefully to this episode. I think you should stop right here, go back to the start of the episode, and have a little bit of a do-over. Especially the part where I said a 360 review is a learning tool to reveal your blind spots. It is not a feel-good tool to prove that you're already a perfect leader. The only part of that story, that fable, that fairy tale that I just told that was remotely true is the part where I actually thought I was an amazing leader. My report was a punch in the gut. The two things that stung the most, and I cringe when I say these words out loud, were autocratic and controlling. Me, me, autocratic and controlling. That was really hard to take. And it stung so much because deep down inside, I knew they were true. Now here's the thing that makes this easier to understand. Just because you have bad qualities as a leader doesn't mean that you are a bad person or that you are intentionally doing harm to others. That's why we call them blind spots. When we reveal our blind spots, we start to understand the unintended impact of our actions. You see, with every action that we take, there is an intended impact and an unintended impact. Now, I learned so many things after debriefing my report, but I want to share one specific thing that I learned that will demonstrate, I hope, what I'm talking about. In debriefing with my team, I realized that my intended behavior of trying to be a leader that would protect and shield my team from being overwhelmed, from too many requests for new projects, I realized that I was having the unintended impact of them thinking that I was trying to control them or that I didn't trust them or that I thought that they weren't capable of handling things on their own. I didn't sit down at the start of every day with a fresh cup of coffee going through my email and say, okay, my goal today is to be as controlling as I possibly can be. How do I make sure that I'm successful at this? What are some really controlling, miserable things that I could do to make everybody's life really difficult? No, it doesn't work like that. This is why we call them blind spots. Because with every action that we take, there's an intended impact and an unintended impact. And looking back on this, I am so glad that I had all this revealed to me way back then. And it's easy for me to reflect back on this with ease now. But let me tell you, at the time, it was not easy. I was embarrassed. I was so full of shame. And it was a massive punch in the gut. I thought I was a great leader because I wanted to be a great leader. I'd studied all the books. I'd read all the theory and I was still making mistakes. This is why I say all the time that leadership is hard. It's not enough to want to be a great leader. Managing people is hard. We're not all good at it right away. It takes time and it takes a lot of trial and error and we have to be humble. We have to ask for forgiveness because we're going to screw up. It's inevitable. And here's the thing. When we find out things about ourselves that we didn't know, we need to be grateful and we need to hold a lens of 
curiosity, which might look a little like this. Oh, okay, I'm controlling. I didn't know that about myself. This is new information. I don't like it, but that's okay. I'm glad that I know this now. I will look into how this is showing up in my behavior, and I am going to learn from this. Because when blind spots are revealed to us, our instant human reaction is to be defensive, to defend, to fight against it. Welcome to being human 101. And as you know, defensiveness, well, it's a close neighbor to the truth. Again, defensiveness is a close neighbor to the truth. When you notice yourself reacting with defensiveness, do me a solid here, okay? Just own it, own it with curiosity and wonder, and this is gonna help you save face later on. Because here's the thing. If someone said something untrue to us, and we know that 110%, there is no way that it was true, we would just laugh it off, right? We wouldn't think twice about it. If someone said to me, Julie, you aren't passionate and you don't really love the work that you do. I would just laugh that off and I wouldn't think twice about it because I know that there's absolutely no truth in that at all. But on the whole control thing, I know that there's a 2% truth in that. Control for me is a shadow leadership quality and I am fully aware of this now and it surfaces every once in a while and now that I'm aware of it, I manage it and I presence it, it's kind of like our saboteurs. They never really go away, but we can become fully conscious of them, we can own them, and we can learn how to work around them, mainly by presencing them to others. So when I notice my control tendencies pop up, I own them. I say, hey, my stickler just showed up and my stickler really wants to do it this way. And then we, we work through it, sometimes we win, sometimes we lose, but we presence it and we move forward. The only way that these qualities, these shadow leadership qualities can be damaging is when we keep them unconscious and we don't let other people know about what's going on. So shadow leadership qualities are fascinating and something that I am really immersing myself in right now. And I think I will do an entire episode on that in the future because I think a lot of you will really benefit from that. But for right now, trust me, defensiveness, it's a close neighbor to the truth. When you get defensive, truth is present. So do your best to own it. Don't try to defend your way out of it because you're just going to make it messier and it'll be harder to clean up later on. So like I said before, it's important to go into your 360 with the right mindset. And I want you to know this. A 360 is not a feel-good tool to prove that you're a perfect leader. It is a learning tool to reveal what? Your blind spots. Now, when we hear things we don't like, we need to really, really pay attention because defensiveness, well, it's a close neighbor to what? To the truth. In this segment, I want to share some of the most common mistakes, oh, this is where it gets fun, that I see people make in their 360s. Are you ready? I have seven juicy mistakes that are commonly made. Here we go. Number one, we try to stack the deck and we only invite people to participate who we actually really get along with and we know that they're only going to say awesome things about us wrong, wrong, wrong. 
See, we typically, in most processes that we go through, you get to identify the people that are going to participate in your 360, which means you can put a little bit of a feel-good filter on that. But don't do this. Don't weed out all the people who you might have contentious relationships with. Lean into those people. This is the time to get all the feedback from all the people. Remember, this is about learning and revealing our blind spots, right? Number two, not communicating and giving context in advance, all right? So if you really want to be successful in collecting feedback from people, guess what? You have to go through the process of educating them and inviting other people to participate far in advance. Give them a heads up. Make sure that they know why you're inviting them and give them a deadline. Don't just load their email and hit send and hope that they respond. People are busy, right? So make sure that they prioritize this. Give them some context and some purpose of what you are working on. For example, you could say, hey, I'm working with a coach right now to really improve my leadership. This is a great, honest way to really explain to them what it is that you are doing. Mistake number three, getting stuck, stuck in the muck, right? The muck of resistance and defensiveness. When we get a report back, we need to be curious about what we can learn here rather than take it as a personal attack and try to hypothesize about who made what comments and why they said it and what they're trying to intend to do. Now, you might be chuckling to yourself at this one, but trust me, I see this all the time. We are human and we want to try to dissect whose comments were whose. You see, 360s are mostly anonymous. The exception, the one exception is your manager's feedback will typically be identified because they're the only person in that category. But aside from your manager, everyone else gets lumped into their own categories of direct reports, peers, and then other stakeholders. So when you read through the feedback, you are probably going to want to wonder whose feedback is coming from who. The promise that we make when we invite people to participate is that it is anonymous. So we have to honor that. Once years ago, I had a leader who was so upset. And, and when I say punch in the gut, this was like amplify. This was like a, a Mack truck in the gut. He was so upset by his results that he contacted IT and he wanted to see who it was that was making these comments and track down their IP address, find out the person who submitted these responses. You see, they collected their feedback via Google Forms, which I would not recommend. Not a good idea for anonymity and trust. So luckily, I talked him out of it, talked him off the ledge, calmed him down, gave him the context. And this is exactly why we always insist on using an external tool now to make sure that people don't try to track down the data and who said what. So when we use an external tool, everything stays completely confidential and nothing can be tracked or traced. When I say, trust me, I've seen it all, trust me, I have seen it all. Mistake number four, focusing only on the negative. 
So this is kind of the opposite view or perspective of the previous mistake where you resist anything negative. With this mistake, we zoom in and we only see the negative things that were mentioned. We skip over all the positive aspects of your leadership. This tip goes out to all my hyper achievers. You might have 19 things that you ranked really high on and that you're doing really well. But there's two things on there that you just can't shake that you were ranked really low on. And so you're so bothered by these two things that you skip over appreciating all the other good things that you're doing. All right. So keep it in perspective. Mistake number five is not circling back with the participants about your results. Think about it for a second here. You've just asked someone to take 30 minutes to maybe an hour out of their day to think about you, to reflect on you and your strengths and your weaknesses. Participants probably have taken time to craft responses, to think about what it is that you really need to know and then how to frame that up in a way that you will really listen to it. They have filled out the assessment questions and they have filled out the quantitative feedback questions, the open-ended questions. And this takes time. They hit submit, and then what do they get in return? Crickets. They never hear back from you. And quite frankly, this isn't great leadership, is it? Especially with your direct reports and your manager. At a minimum, I want you to plan on circling back to your manager and to your direct reports with results of your 360. Now, I don't suggest that you send out the whole report for a whole variety of reasons, mostly because it's just way too much data. When I work with clients, here's what I suggest that they do. You comb through the report, or we go through it together, we pick out two to three themes from the report of what you want to focus on, and then we create a few goals of what you want to do differently, and we turn those goals, cascade them into action plans. Now, this is a great starting point to really have a dialogue with your team to talk about the areas that you're going to be focusing on And whoa, what great leadership this is that you're modeling to them, right? You're showing them that great leadership is something that you have to constantly be working on. It is a journey and you are 100% open to evolving and growing yourself. What a great example to show to your team. Sharing data with other stakeholders like your peers or other people in the organization, well, that's completely up to you. I think it's nice to just have a quick touch base with them or send off an email to say thank you and let them know what you'll be working on. The only tricky thing here is that you don't always know who has completed the report and who hasn't. Okay, mistake number six. Now this mistake I've seen made by participants who are completing the feedback for a peer in the 360 or sometimes for their manager in the 360. Now, this doesn't happen a lot, but I've seen it happen a few times. Here's here's what happens. Sometimes the anonymity of the assessment gives people permission to go to town on a person and really hit below the belt with their feedback. It's rare and it's disappointing, but I think that it is a sign of a bigger problem that has to be dealt with. The good news here is that rogue feedback like this, if you've got those one or two people who really have gone to town on you, 
this always shows up like a sore thumb, right? Like an outlier in the data. And so we can really quickly pick it up and see who those individual respondents are and how their feedback is wildly different than everyone else. And mistake number seven, this last mistake is actually one that's made on behalf of the organization. I believe that it is a massive mistake, a colossal mistake to link the 360 results to compensation, to raises, bonuses, promotions, etc. Because here's how this plays out. Well, I'm sure you can see this. When it's time to select who you get to include to give you feedback, people tend to be very selective about who they include in their feedback, knowing that their annual bonus is going to be tied to the feedback that they're receiving in the report right? Would you really include Gary from sales to do your 360 if you two just had a huge disagreement? I don't think so. Tying your 360 to compensation, it encourages people to game the process. And then they don't really receive the feedback that they need to hear, or they don't take it seriously. And so it just ends up being a big old waste of time, everybody's time. Okay, so let's recap those seven mistakes. I hope you were listening carefully. I'll go through them now again. Number one, we stack the deck. We only invite people to participate who we get along with. Number two, not communicating and giving context to participants in advance. Number three, we get stuck in the resistance and the defensiveness. Like we learned earlier, defensiveness is a close neighbor to the truth. Number four, we zoom in on the negative aspects and we ignore all the positive ones. Number five, not circling back to the participants with your results. Remember, if you don't circle back, you could be doing more harm than good. Mistake six, participants take advantage of the anonymity of the report and they go to town with their feedback, which is not cool. It happens sometimes and if it happens, It happens for a reason, and we're typically not really surprised. And then lastly, mistake number seven is when we link the results from a 362 raises, bonuses, promotions, etc. All right, in this segment, this last segment, I want to share a few tips to help you rock your 360. Are you ready? I have five tips for you. Here we go. Number one, go into your 360 with an incredible mindset. Remember, a 360 is not a feel-good tool to prove that you're already a perfect leader. It is a learning tool that reveals your blind spots. When you get defensive, truth is present. Do your best to own it. Don't try to defend your way out of it because it's just going to be messier to clean it up later on. Mindset here is everything. Number two, communicate before. Give people a heads up that you're going through this process. If you really want to get their involvement, make sure that they've taken the time to understand what it is that you're doing. Don't just send them a generic form email. Actually ask them live. Send them a Slack or a DM. Pick up the phone and ask them. Be sure to tell them what you're doing ask for their help. Say that the report is going out specifically next Monday and that you need it completed by Thursday. Be specific with the date and actually use these words. Can I count on you to complete it? 
All right, number three, communicate afterwards. Summarize the key insights from the assessment, create an action plan for how you wanna grow and what you want to change. Feedback is a gift after all. And so if someone sends you a gigantic, beautiful present wrapped up in the prettiest paper and a big bouncy bow, don't you wanna send them a thank you card? I do, that's just nice etiquette, isn't it? Remember, this just isn't about data. This is an opportunity to build relationships. You have a huge opportunity to build social capital here. And I guarantee you're going to inspire someone along the way to either initiate their 360 or to plant a seed for the future when they might have to do theirs. And it's important to create your action plan for communication as you're setting up the report and working with your coach. Because too often when we get the data back and we're combing through that report before we decide to share it, our ego gets bruised, right? We get that punch in the gut and we think twice, well, maybe I won't share this data and information with others. So talk to your coach or talk to your team or your manager and let them know in advance about what you're going to do with the data. You don't want to get a vulnerability hangover and then decide not to share it afterwards. All right, tip number four, don't delay. Earlier in the episode, I mentioned that you'll want to do this sooner than later in your career because here's why. Since we're going to reveal your blind spots through this assessment, wouldn't you want to know what those are ASAP so you can start working on them? Rather than continuing in the next 10 to 20 years carrying these beautiful blind spots with you the whole way through until they become so entrenched in your bad behavior that it becomes really hard to change them. It's kind of like, let's use the spinach metaphor here. You've got spinach in your teeth right now. And you're walking around all day long or zooming around all day long with spinach in your teeth. Everyone sees it. That spinach is there and everyone else sees that it's there, but nobody tells you about it. And you don't realize that that spinach is there until you go brush your teeth later on. Find out about the spinach. Find out about it now and do something about it. Because trust me, everybody else knows that the spinach is there. Lastly, tip number five, be inclusive in the process. Don't try to game this one. I know, I know what you would do. Invite everyone that you know you should invite, right? This isn't just about the people that you like to lunch with. This includes the relationships where you have a hotspot because that is where all the learning is. Trust the process and trust the learning, all right? Okay, I'll recap those five tips for you here again. Number one, go into this with an incredible mindset. Two, communicate before. Three, communicate after, right? Loop back, circle back with the results and your action plan. Four, don't delay. Find out about the spinach. And number five, be inclusive in the process. All right, it's time to start wrapping up this episode. Thanks for tuning in and really bringing an open mind. Thanks for listening to all the tough love and about all the punches in the gut. 
I hope that you really take the time to reflect on how you can prepare for your 360 and how to improve your leadership. Remember, a 360 isn't a feel-good tool to help prove that you're already a great leader. It's a learning tool to reveal your blind spots. If you are inspired by this episode today and you want to find out more about doing your 360, or maybe you have someone on your team who you'd like to do one, I would love to help you with this process. It is a sign of great leadership to take this initiative, and I would highly recommend that you do it. You can find me at thecorporateyogi.com or on LinkedIn or any other social media. I would love to help you out and walk you through the process. And when I say, trust me, I've been there before, trust me, I have been there before. You've heard my story. It wasn't sunshine, roses, and lollipops. It was tough. And I'm so grateful that I went through it when I did, and I revealed my blind spots. And as always, I am a work in progress. I am always under construction. So thanks for tuning in today. Go easy on yourself. You're not supposed to know how to do all this stuff when you first start out. Even if you've read all the books, even if you've listened to all the podcasts and you've shared all the memes, all the sayings, it doesn't matter. Theory isn't the same as actually doing it in practice. When it comes to leadership, the more you learn, the less you know. Leadership, my friend, is truly a lifelong process. It is not a destination.